Contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In times of spiritual and moral chaos, it can be hard to discern truth from error and to apply it to all of life. God's word is not silent, and we don't have to be either. This is Once for All Delivered with Caleb Castro and Andrew Smith. Now into the realm of pop culture and pop culture and religion. (sighs) Taylor Swift, is that where we're at now? No, we're not. No, we're not. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to take this one? This is this one's a little bit of a chuckle. I, I mean, as much as I don't want to talk (laughs) about this ever, um, we have a couple of Taylor Swift related (laughs) articles. One is from a site called Northeast News, talking about exploring faith through Taylor Swift's eras tour. Which, by the way. uh, the Gospel Coalition some months back ran a very similar article where one of their guys went to the Eris tour and wrote a bunch of theological wow, jargon about, about The reason we all forgot about it is the article only lasted a few hours and That's then right. TGC pulled it. Did we bring it. that up at the time? I, I, I don't remember. remember if we did or well, not. I remember us talking about it ourselves in text or something. But <laughs> I mean, my cynical assessment of that all was this guy wanted TGC to pay for his Taylor Swift tickets <laughs> and you know wanted that to be a reportable expense oh. and so I'll write you an article and but anyway uh yeah so everybody's the world has been on fire about Taylor Swift especially recently because she's dating a football player and their team won the the world's largest outdoor sabbath violation <laughs> this last sunday i shouldn't be laughing but um good. <laughs> anyway uh actually it might have been indoors i think it was in a dome i don't know it doesn't matter yeah so there's been a lot of talking and controversy and debate about taylor swift who is a pop singer that sings pop songs like that's her contribution to the world. <laughs> Maybe I'm not the one who should be talking about. No, I, I think this, this is good. I, <laughs> this is what the people want. This is what they're here for. Okay, so a Lutheran middle and high school, Faith Lutheran Middle and High School in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is apparently the largest Lutheran school in America. By the way, it is Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. This is not Elka or Are other you such. Remarkable. I looked it up and uh, they link the the school links the LCMS on their site. So it seems that's where they're affiliated. <sighs> wow. So this is not the re- the wild Elka mainline Lutherans. This is the ostensibly conservative and confessional branch of Lutheranism or one of them. And this Lutheran middle and high school, they're having a Bible study themed around Taylor Swift's or a, songs. They're having a Taylor Swift study themed around the Bible. I don't know. Well, whatever it is, <laughs> it is an abomination. It should not something. exist. This also tells us a little bit something about broad evangelicalism's approach to the Bible in the first place. At least one of those teachers there at the school decided, hey, we can learn about uh, the Bible and its teachings by comparing Taylor Swift's lyrics. And so we come together 10 months of the school year. And so we can go through basically an era, like her albums, basically a, a month 
October was Speak Now album and Red was November and so on. Every week, I just take a song from that era and then break it down into different Bible verses that connect to lyrics and things like that. And things like that. Some of the students basically state their thoughts on it. They were interviewed through a local news channel. And so they're on video talking about these things. Uh, one student, he says, we take Taylor Swift song lyrics and we connect them to Bible verses. And then we just talk about how they connect. Profound. I really like this club because we get connections. Oh, more profound. Is he getting paid like every time he uses the word connect or connection? <laughs> we get some peace and we get a common liking. I walk away with hope with love and with just happiness because I just love talking about Taylor Swift and love talking about the Bible. In that order. In that order. Keep in mind, these are kids. I mean, these are kids, but... Still. I know. I just... I don't want to dump on the kids because this is really probably not their fault right. so much as the people who are teaching them and leading them have failed them so catastrophically. You know, the fact that you send your kids to a parochial school like this and you expect they're going to be educated in a certain way and this is what you're yep. getting it instead. It would seem like a good way to get kids interested in the Bible, but it ends up being really a synergism. <laughs> yeah. This is the end game of contextualization. When you try to meld, you know, the Bible and and preaching the gospel with the culture, eventually culture is just going to take well, over now, and run the thing. You just did an, an incredible uh, unintended pun there, I think. Speaking of end game, every week I have a snack that also connects to that song. We just did a song called End Game, which is in the reputation era, and it was perfect. Because it also has some football vibes, and we are we were all excited about Taylor and Travis Kelsey <laughs> and everything that hurt Kansas Chief boyfriend and everything that happened when they won the championship and like getting ready for the Super Bowl. So I got football themed cookies because it was tied to the endgame lyrics, but also it was exciting for Taylor and Travis. She states her justification, uh, the, the teacher, I think that finding something that's relevant to your community and to culture is important. I'm passionate about finding connections. There's connections to the culture because that's where we're at. <laughs> finding connections to the culture because that's where we're at. People are already watching sports, football games, movies, and shows that are popular on Netflix. And how do you seize that opportunity to build a group? Well, Tuesdays with Taylor has got uh, an example of... <laughs> Their process. So, for example, a Bible study printout titled Lover Era, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince features snippets of lyrics from that particular single along with Bible verses for each snippet. For example, and the Heartbreak Prince appears above a quote from Isaiah 9-6, which says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Are we not just like, if not, they're just teetering on the edge of outright this is blasphemy? A religious association with scripture. Again, at a Lutheran Christian school. That's just unreal. I looked at this in preparing for this, but even just hearing it again, it's just so like mind blowing. Like I can't even right now. We're not listening done. to this. We're not done. <laughs> We're not? No. We, oh, no. we met a few weeks ago. There's the Taylor lyric. So the last will be first and the first last. Matthew 2016. 
uh, okay, I'm failing to see the connection even in the loose way there. And all at once, yeah. you are the one I've been waiting for. But there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of heaven. We are waiting for the arrival of the Savior, Jesus Christ. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be. Philippians 3, 20, 21. I'm not even sure what translation they're using at that point. Is this the end of all the endings? My broken bones are mending. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain italicized. All of these things are gone forever. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. It is finished. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end italicized again. I mean, just that's, what can that's you say? About, that's about it. Yeah, and I actually found that I, Not the Beast sent this out, did an article on it. I think I just, just like a day or two ago when I was already kind of like, yeah, preparing on this and thinking about this. So it's so incredible that it should be satirical, but it's not. Yeah, we are just a completely unserious society. It's reflected in things. like I mean, so we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about God's word and we're talking about it being taught in a Christian school. And like, this is such an important thing and a thing that should be treated with proper reverence and respect. And this either betrays, well, probably does in fact betray both that we do not regard God's word very highly as a culture and a society. And then we regard pop culture far too highly to the point of it just being straight up yeah. idolatry. There's no limits. Yeah, there's no limits. There's no separations and proper distinctions of things. It's ugly and it's gross. Well, it gets and, back into something yeah. of, a, first of all, a, a subjectivity of utilizing personal feelings, emotions, and thoughts uh, as the arbiter of truth. But now this is an example of relativizing these things to so disconnect them, even from the individual, uh, even from, to use a phrase like a Schleiermachian approach of me, myself, and the Bible kind of thing of how does this make me feel? What's this verse say to you to now? Well, what's Taylor Swift have to say about the Bible? Right. We're talking matters of eternal life mm -hmm. and death. And we're treating it as tritely as we treat our popular music that will all be forgotten a few months to a few years from now. If you instill in young people that these things relate to one another, then we wonder why young people apostatize, why they're not Christian or they don't remain Christian. To use a line, I don't know the exact source of it, but what you win them with is what you win them to. Mm-hmm. If your Bible is like your pop music that your tastes are just going to change over time or will be forgotten or whatever, then yeah, so too will the Bible, so too will the faith. The pop lyrics are your Bible, right? Or if your fandom yeah. is your gospel salvation, who you wrap your identity up in. Or your pop star is your, your object of worship. Yeah, it's a... God. Uh, foolish man building his house upon the sinking sands rather than the solid foundation of the rock Jesus Christ. I actually, uh, this just came back to my memory right now of in Bible college in my university, one of my theology professors in a class on the theology of cultural engagement actually went in and was talking about how, you know, one of his sons uh, loves Eminem, the rapper and uh, not the candy. 
and talked about how like you know, he he didn't really like rap the, the feature. He didn't really like rap and was kind of you know unsure of it uh, given the vulgarities and crassness that comes out in rap music. But he was talking about how as he was like you know reading the lyrics, he could see the gospel in it, like the brokenness of of man and the longing for something and some kind of hope. And I remember just thinking like, yeah, that's not the gospel. These are like effects of the fall. We're just searching for something yeah. to fill out the void. But that doesn't mean it's the gospel mm-hmm. that, you know. But yeah, it just brought that to mind. This is something that's been an approach for a while now. I suppose, now that I'm yeah. spring this one a little bit on you, I sent this late last night. We don't have to stay here very long, but I thought it was interesting. Okay. In the realm now of the nation, history, something, we're talking about this. Environmentalism. We're running out of transitions. I mean, it's just it's just getting wild. This is a thing. Here's another thing. Protesters pour red powder on U.S. Constitution enclosure, prompting evacuation of National Archives. So, you know, that trend yeah. that comes up in the, the news uh, seems like more and more frequently now, but on occasion where in art exhibit, a famous art piece or something, I think just a couple weeks ago, the Mona Lisa, some environmental protesters went and threw paint on the enclosure that's around the Mona Lisa. Thank goodness for that enclosure. Yeah. Um, Mostly this has been happening in Europe, but now it seems it's uh, so across the thing pond. Of, uh, in the uh, National Archives building, two protesters went and dumped red powder, some kind of red powder, on the case that's around the U.S. Constitution. Uh, since it was enclosed, then there was no actual damage. But these were environmental protesters that said, uh, we are determined to foment of rebellion. We all deserve clean air, water, food, and a livable climate. And then they were arrested. <laughs> I'm yep. thankful that there's at least some kind of sense of like, hey, this shouldn't happen uh, in our country. <laughs> They're going to be yeah. prosecuted to the full extent of the law. It is vandalism. And yet we won't go and prosecute for, you know, the vandalizing of public courthouse buildings in Portland, Oregon during the George Floyd riots or the, you know, the scaling of the wall, not on January 6th, but most recently by uh, pro-Palestine protesters. But we will hit you with a felony hate crime charge if you go and destroy a satanic idol in the Iowa That's State right. Capitol. Yeah, so some inconsistency here, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah. There are two sets of rules. Yeah. Which one Most are you under? Say in America, yeah, you can't really do anything in the Constitution at all because that's our sacred document. When are we going to bring charges on those uh, for the, like, you know, tearing down Confederate monuments or you know, protesting outside of other institutions where they weren't granted permits to protest or, you know, for setting up autonomous zones and that kind of stuff. Like, what's important for us? On the flip side, too, there was another case a few weeks ago where several people were convicted of felonies for blocking access to an abortion clinic. Yeah, so isn't that something? Now, another practical question about this, where they're throwing paint on artworks and now throwing red powder on the Constitution. So, like, I've been to the National Archives in D.C. Have you ever been there? Okay, well, I've been there. It's been a long time ago, but security in that place is tight. (laughs) 
how did they get in there with whatever this substance is in the first place? Because when you have when you go in there, I mean, you got to do metal detectors, you got to do pat downs. It's the whole the whole bit. And then all same with these art museums in Europe. I mean, because there's been so many of these attacks on artworks now with paint. Like, how do these people with paint keep getting into the Good art museums? Question. Like, you think they'd start looking for that. Yeah, like, oh, what know. are you doing with paint there? Oh, I'm uh, redecorating? I mean, it does beg the question because, you know, the climate is a certain priority of the, you know, the the liberal elite. Idol. Nature worship. Yeah. So, uh, isn't it funny how this keeps happening you know, they act like they care, but then they keep letting it happen. So, this was uh, basically just a red pigmentation powder in cornstarch. Yeah, it's like a super, super fine, annoying powder. How do you get that in there? Yeah. Most places you carry a mysterious powdered substance in into a high security zone, that's going to get some attention you know most people have seen national treasure and <laughs> no you can't just walk into this place and steal the declaration of independence the, these things are actually locked up very tight and uh there's security everywhere i mean even in the the picture with this article you see the constitution what you don't notice too also is it's very dark in the National Archive. The way this photo is, it seems like it's been touched up or brightened or whatever. But because these are very old documents, they keep it very dark in those rooms to where, I mean, you can see them, but it's like, it's hard to see. Um, but then you also see you've got two fully armed, uniformed police officers, one standing on each side of the display case the Constitution is in. So, I don't know. How'd they yeah, get that far? Yeah, Ziploc bags aren't detectable. Yep, can you even can not. you even bring bags in there? I don't think huh. so. No, I mean I, I guess I yeah. haven't been there for a long time, but I, I know at least at the time I was I went there, I don't think you could bring any kind of bag. You couldn't bring cameras because the <laughs> mm -hmm. light's bad for the old documents. The same reason they keep uh, it so dark in for there. The, some of those recent incidents in Europe, it wasn't paint. Uh, mistaken, it wasn't paint for the Mona Lisa. They like smeared cake on it or something. Like they they smeared some kind of food on it. Uh, on the display uh, and so i guess yeah i mean i don't know like if like yeah, apparently food is also something that's permitted to come in 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 art galleries and stuff which typically my understanding of these places is that they got the thing up front and you gotta dump out your food and drink yeah before i don't you know in. or anything like that but my impression is you can't do that but anyways so that's that's another thing red powder and anarchy and inconsistency and the climate, the climate. And, and the god of nature, but not that god. So let's let's yeah. move on to the realm of he gets us. That's just its own realm now. So, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Might have tied back better into Taylor Swift because of yeah. the world's largest Sabbath violation. But during the Super Bowl, there was yet another because this has been going on every year for probably three, four mm -hmm. years now. He gets us, which is a organization or something seems to be funded by the green family which owns hobby lobby and then is also owns the museum of the bible and 
other stuff like that. So they've been putting out these ads for He Gets Us. And we go through this every year or every time one of these ads appears. It's definitely a more dare I say, progressive, even woke-leaning portrayal of Christianity. And so the ad this year was showing all these still photos of foot washing, the the third sacrament of evangelicals. <laughs> of of uh, Anabaptists. Yeah. Uh, so, like, for instance, there was one where there was a, a cop washing the feet of a guy who looked like a gangster, or at another, it was the halls of a school, and there's a girl who looks, you know, like a normal feminine cheerleader washing the feet of uh, a kind of punk rock looking. And honestly, couldn't tell if the other was a boy or a girl, because that's something, too, is people, young people especially, just try to look deliberately to look so androgynous now. There was one where there's like a protest going on and then one side of the protest washing the feet of the other. All these various still shots. The message is trying to convey is the seemingly privileged and powerful washing the feet of the seemingly oppressed and rejected and underclass. They wouldn't want it to be seen in that light, but that's what it is. It's a Marxist, you know, oppressed oppressor visual. The idea being, you know, coming back to the theme of this campaign oh, is he and, uh, gets us. That we, had, uh, we did do an episode uh, on uh, talking about the last time this came up, right? Did we? I, we probably I'm pretty did. sure we oh. did. I don't remember which it was in. It might have been when we were going over uh, culture in the earliest episodes of, uh, of OFAD, yeah. but... I'm pretty sure we we talked about it and where we where we initially yeah went and looked through the organization behind it that did produce it and uh, including the funds from the Green family. But yeah, just uh, there is an episode somewhere buried in there just for uh, the record. But so uh, as we saw with the Taylor Swift thing, it's just reaching too far in the direction of we need to make Christianity palatable to the world and we need to appease the world also ties into like the Alistair mm-hmm. Begg thing and the we need to convince people who hate Christianity that we're not those hateful bigoted people That's that they think the we are line that the ad says that like Jesus didn't teach hatred which is not true yeah, but... Jesus didn't teach hate he washed feet Oh, and I, I did find it. Uh, the episode is that it was in The Devil Went Down to Hollywood. It was at the end. Um, we were okay. with our friend, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Sam. Sam Smith. Sam, Sam Smith. Sam, your brother, Sam Smith. Uh, <laughs> no. So who is us, though? You know? Like, yeah. he gets us. Who is, mean, who is the us that it's looking to say who is the us and them? For one thing, uh, whose feet did Jesus wash? <laughs> He washed the disciples' feet, including Judas. Judas hadn't done what he was going to do yet. I mean, Jesus knew he was going to. But, uh, but yeah, he washed the feet of disciples. That's one thing. And it wasn't like in an evangelistic or he gets us. They talk about being a pre-evangelistic endeavor. And 
Yeah, it's just this is a reflection of the desire for some kind of you know unity and togetherness, you know, kumbaya kind of Christianity sort of thing. There, Jesus loved everybody regardless of their their background, age, gender, race, sexuality, uh, whatever religion. Continuing living in and practicing of sin deliberately now, there, there's and openly. an element where it's like, yes, Jesus came to save sinners, but but he himself had had been given over a possession of a set number of the elect, those decreed and appointed before the foundations of the earth. Uh, from this mass of of sinners, God God saves people out of their sin, and part of that is that it requires also repentance from that sin. This doesn't, you know, lessen the the charge to go and baptize and to make disciples and uh, teach them all that I have commanded, but it includes teaching them all I have commanded, including repentance. That was the initial mm-hmm. message of uh, the start of Christ's ministry, repent, right, and believe. The kingdom of heaven begins with, with this. It's uh, the door of salvation opens through repentance and belief in Jesus Christ alone as Jesus Christ alone by faith alone. It's something that we shouldn't necessarily be putting up blocks uh, between uh, who we're going to reach out to, uh, who we're going to evangelize. But the message is broader than, oh, be cool and love each other. No, like we said earlier, we have to start from that place of the love of God. Mm hmm love according to the law of God. It's an ad campaign that teaches perhaps only a fraction of the word. There are clear divides in society. We get it that people are tired of that thing and want to see some kind of unity. But, you know, uh, we can be united for the wrong reasons. You know, those gathered at what would be Babel wanted to stay in one spot together and pull their efforts and resources, uh, all their collaborative skills for the project of building a city and tower for themselves against God. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to invade heaven and throw God yeah, out, basically. The bulk of a lot of the secular political theory in the first place of uh, make a name for ourselves and go in try to establish some kind of utopia. Marxism's built on the concept of essentially a utopia uh, where the government <laughs> runs everything. But there's there's no utopia. There cannot be a earthly place that is essentially united under the banner of humanism, of man first. All those efforts will be thwarted. You know, there can only be mm-hmm. ultimately in the end, the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Yeah. There was another, just a quick note, another Super Bowl oh. commercial for the Halo app. It starred Mark Wahlberg and <laughs> What's His Bucket that plays Jesus on the world's largest Second Commandment violation, <laughs> The Chosen. <laughs> that to tie back to Rome, that's just papist tricks. Mark Wahlberg is a Catholic. And I don't know if the. Is it. Ramey or whatever his name is that the plays Jesus, whatever his name is. But yeah, Hallow is a Catholic prayer app. So there was a Super Bowl commercial on the during during the world's largest Fourth Commandment violation that also featured several Second Commandment violations. (laughs) And if you're going to pray like a Catholic, it's probably also going to lead to First Commandment violations. (laughs) So, yeah. 
Ah. Yeah, continue. <laughs> All the violations. What happened? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, we pretty much break break the whole first table in one commercial. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to, like, remind you of things of, like, the, the various hours, uh, the orders of the day and rosary. That's supposed to help you with your rosary. Yeah. Saint prayers, typically, you know, or prayers yeah. said in uh, in vain repetitions. Yeah, we could also talk about Scientology from there, but um, <laughs> Scientology. But we're not going to. Speaking of celebrities in Roman Catholicism, I had read uh, some time ago that uh, Shia LaBeouf has uh, joined the Roman Catholics. He was confirmed, and that apparently he's interested in becoming even a deacon now. <laughs> what? So he made a movie about Padre mm. Pio. Do you, do you like know that. who that is? Is he the stigmata yeah. guy, right? I forget. Yeah. yeah okay. Stigmata. Yeah. <laughs> Roman Catholic mystic stigmata guy. Uh, Shia LaBeouf was in a movie and played Padre Pio. Made a great meme. Actually, there's the gif of Shia LaBeouf pointing and yelling, say Christ is Lord. And that's a great gif. But... Yeah, he played Padre Pio, who was otherwise a weird, heretical, Catholic mystic. And that was apparently a deep spiritual experience for Shia LaBeouf. Uh, So much so that he was supposed to use an... I haven't seen the movie, but I'm just, you know, repeating what I've read about it. He was supposed to use, like, an Italian accent for Padre Pio, and he refused. He had to use his natural voice because it was so real and deep and personal to him. To Shia LaBeouf. But uh, anyway, so he was in that movie and apparently that drew him into being a Catholic. And so, yeah, now he's been confirmed and either became or is on track to becoming a deacon in the Roman Catholic Church. Back to Rome. Yep. Full circle. (laughs) But now we leave that behind again. Once more. (laughs) Probably not. And that is going to do it for this week's Once for All Delivered. We thank you for joining us. If you're somehow still here at the end of all this, we we appreciate your listening and support. We appreciate our subscribers. If you are a paid subscriber, make sure you're using your benefits. You got a group chat. You have access to outtakes. You have the warm, fuzzy feeling that comes with knowing that you're keep helping to help us do whatever this is we're doing (laughs) pat on the back firm virtual handshake yeah good good job (laughs) thank you yeah (laughs) but we really do appreciate it and we're we're trying to live up to it. I don't know how good of a job we're doing. Yeah, hopefully, there's, this is why we say <laughs> we, we hope that it's uh, this. Some this has been you know edifying, insightful. You know that you learned something, and this is in a manner beneficial, at least in, in keeping people up to date on the things and going on in our culture. Some of these things I bring up here and there with people, and some of it's like you know it kind of blindsides them because you know we understand many people you're you know you're busy with your lives, you, you know your work. And and some and the news is just frankly depressing. We don't mean to necessarily perpetuate the depression. Hopefully, we add a little bit of some humor on that, uh, even as we talk about these things. But yeah, we work through them and talk about why we need to contend for this faith once for all delivered. 
plug. Title reference, title <laughs> reference, title <laughs> reference. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for listening. Take it, Heidi. Thank you for listening to this episode. For the latest news and updates, visit our substack at onceforalldelivered.com, where you can also support our work with a paid subscription. You can also follow us on social media at OFAD Podcast. If you like what you have heard, leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts and spread the word about the show. Once For All Delivered is hosted by Andrew Smith and Caleb Castro and produced by Andrew and Heidi Smith. A special thank you to our founding members, Eric and Kathy Hepker. We hope you will join us again next time on Once For All Delivered.